We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming. Aaron Lemming providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. We are breaking down everything Chicago Bears going into Week Five. Well, recapping a little bit of the week four loss to the New York Giants, and there's a lot to talk about, especially on the offensive front. Before we get into all that, though, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to us on all major podcasting platforms. Check out our YouTube channel. It's just Bear Report. Subscribe on there. Leave us a couple comments. Watch all the good videos we do and all the hard work we put in. Let's get into this episode, and joining me is Aaron Lemming, my co-host. And Aaron, the Bears are now 500. They're 2-2. Two and two. Um, it was a tough game to kind of watch, and it was a game that I think, um, you know, it's it's hard to put the blame on one thing because I think there was so much that uh, that kind of went wrong for the Bears on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've kind of seen the same game four games in a row now, right? And they're they're two and two. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. It's we talked all off season about how this is going to be a rebuilding year, which it is. Obviously, it's very clear that it is on the field. But I think that oh, uh, I must have muted myself by accident there. Uh, <laughs> so what, what I you know what I don't think any of us really accounted for was this team somehow being as boring, if not more boring than they were last year so far. And I think a lot of that again comes down to the offensive struggles with this team. And I don't know, man. I mean, it's just one of those things where I think we can, even if the bar is set low, I think we can probably mostly agree that Justin Fields looked better, which is good. Um, but I, I just, you know, and this is something that I've I've talked about quite a bit lately, um, you know, and I've even kind of written about a little bit as well. It just feels like this is the time, at least in my opinion, this is a time where the Bears should be aggressive. This coaching staff should be aggressive. Matt Eberflus should be taking chances. Uh, they should be going forward on fourth down. They've gone forward on fourth down one time all year, right? I mean, that's just – that's for a rebuilding team that really has nothing to lose. I, I think that's uh, it's a bit ridiculous, you know? And it's like just the conservative play calling, you know, I understand that they probably don't trust the offensive line. They probably don't trust Justin Fields fully at this point. But the reality of the matter is, is at this point in time, 
how else is the quarterback going to develop, especially in, in big situations? The Bears were down eight points with a little under uh, six minutes left to go in the game. They got the ball back. They got good field position. They got it to what what was it about the 40 yard line or so with that Khalil Herbert run? 45. They, they, 45. Yeah, so they, they, they throw the ball one time. One time that entire drive when you're down eight points was less than six minutes left to go in the game and you throw the ball one time. And that's kind mm-hmm. of the stuff where, again, there's a lack of talent on the field. We've tried telling people this all offseason. And I know that there was this all-out uh, war on the media and everybody wanted to believe that this team was going to be better and that anybody you know that was projecting in six or seven wins or fewer was being negative. But I think the reality is set in for a lot of people that this is a rebuilding team and you're one of a rebuild that lacks talent both offensively and defensively, and that's fine. It is what it is. Development will happen over the season. But I think the the lack of aggression and the lack of trying to find out, you know, with the pedal to the metal, what you have in some of your players, what you have in some of these one-year deals or these younger guys that really don't have a long-term spot yet, that's the type of stuff that bothers me. I know we're four games in the season, things can change, but that's the kind of stuff that really bothers me because it feels like they're trying to do bare minimum and they're trying to stay close and they're trying to eke out games and they're not just all out, you know, pedal the metal, going for it, trying to figure things out, pressing the issue, and really seeing who can stay and who can go. And that's, I, I don't know, I, that's just me. I know, I'm sure everybody's going to beat this into the ground, but that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I They're a run-first team. I, I think I've said, I think you've said it as well. And if you haven't, I think you'd agree with me on this. They're a run-first team with a defense that is going to keep them in games and like we saw against the Texans, probably win them one or two more games. I think there's probably a couple of blowouts on the schedule left. I think Philadelphia, Buffalo, potentially Green Bay. Depends on how Minnesota's playing at the end of the year as well. Uh, maybe Miami. But they have a defense that's good enough to keep them in a lot of games. But here's my thing with it. You can be a run-first team. You can win games. You can't be too much of a run-first team. And what I mean by that is, is your perfect example. In the second half, you're down eight. And you're running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, and you're 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 at the 45, and you're fourth and what was it fourth and two? I think it was, and they punt, and I understand it worked out. They pinned them down deep. Um, they were going to get the ball back. Your rookie return man makes a mistake. You don't get the ball back with enough time to do anything. Um, for me, that's you know one of my early criticisms on a Matt Eberflus, and I think we also saw it. You know, going back to Houston, was it the first drive? They had a third and eight, and they ran like an, a play up the gut out of shotgun, and they played for the field goal on the first drive. They got the points. It helped them win. But, man, you got to be aggressive. Like, you, you can be a run-first team with to see some stuff from the passing game. And watching that game, Aaron, I, to a point you said earlier in that statement, um, Fields did look better. The bar isn't set very high because of how he struggled. He's looked better. They they made a couple shots down the field, but when they got into the red zone, man, it's like they went into a shell. And yeah, he missed Cole Komet on one play. They had a third and three in, at the five yard line, and then they were facing a stacked box with two two receivers out to the right, two defenders out to the right. If that's a play fake and Fields keeps it, it's a touchdown or at the very least a first down because that corner crashed in hard. I, I tweeted it. I tweeted the play on. Twitter today, that corner crashed down so hard. He was playing run the entire time in that game. And I think that shows how predictable the Bears are. And that's one of my big concerns with Luke Getze right now. 
they're a very predictable team in, in situations you can't be predictable in the red zone, in third and short, um, in second and long, they're just running the ball. Those are three areas you really can't be predictable. You got to kind of open things up. And I wish we'd have seen a little more of that. And I, I, this passing game needs to get going, man. Like it's crazy. I didn't even realize this. I should have realized this because I've watched every game. They haven't had a passing touchdown since week one. I mean, that is, that is crazy to me that there's been four games and they only have two passing touchdowns and both of those are in one half of football um, so far this season. It, it, it's just this stuff for me is a stuff that you could be in a rebuild, but you have to see development. You have to see what your coaching staff has. Because to be honest, I, I don't know how you feel about this. I, I know it's really, really early. I'm not impressed with Luke Getzey right now. Well, I, I think in order to, you know, have passing touchdowns, you actually have to pass in the red zone. That's just not something exactly. they've done. I mean, and going into the game, 19 runs, one pass. It's it's, it's just, crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. I, I don't I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how if you watched the Green Bay Packers over the last few, you know, over the last few seasons, obviously I know Luke Getze wasn't the offensive coordinator, but um it, it it's also a situation where he was their quarterback coach. He is running a similar offense with similar offensive philosophies. There are so many things right now that are just so vastly different from the Packers offense than the Bears offense. And I understand. I talked about this uh, with with Robert Schmitz. Uh, you know, it was actually right after the game. Um, you know, on a on a live podcast and. And I kind of pointed out the fact that I was, you know, watching the Packers game and they were struggling to get going. And what do they do right away? They start going the slants. And it's like, we've seen the bears throw one slant all season long. And his argument was that they're not as high percentage as they used to be. And they aren't as easy to complete, especially in this type of offense. And while that may be true, the reality of it is, is the bears just don't have that many high percentage passes and short situations that they can go to. And I don't know, man. Again, you know, Lou Getze to me so far has been ridiculously conservative. And I understand that their run game has worked really well in two of their four games. And I know going into this last game, they were second in the league in rushing, mainly because of that huge game that they had in Houston. But the reality of it is, is, you know, this is 2022. Teams do not win strictly off of a run game. Teams do not have good offenses strictly because of a run game. They have to be able to throw the ball. They have to be less predictable. And you know what's crazy is if you go back and you and you and you watch the 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 you know the the Giants game and you watch the Giants offense, I mean they literally did the same two concepts the entire game. And the reason that Daniel Jones went out is obviously he hurt his ankle, but Brian Dable said it's because they needed the mobility from the quarterback, which is why they brought Tyrod Taylor into the game, because all they were doing was basically running the ball, basically inside zone with Saquon Barkley. And they were running, basically just running play action passes and booting Daniel Jones out. And the bears could not figure out a way to stop it. And then you look at what the bears did. And it's like, they had some good success early on in the game. That's the thing is, when you're in a you know a, a fourth and two situation inside the five yard line, that's the time when you have to go for it. Especially when you're only down seven to three, like a field goal doesn't get you the lead. You might as well go for it. You might as well throw the ball. They had multiple different opportunities to score touchdowns, and they simply pass them up. And and it's just one of those situations where again, man, like it, it just anytime they get into a big drive situation. 
they don't want to throw the ball. And it just, it doesn't make any sense. And again, I understand that Justin Fields doesn't look good right now. I understand that the offensive line, despite this whole, I, I don't know where this, this, this metric of pass block win rate thing came in. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, whatever the metric is, it needs to be thrown in the trash because there was one metric that had Sam Mustafer winning on 100% of his pass blocking snaps. And that is absolutely asinine for anybody who watched this game because Sam Mustafer was beat like a drum more times than oh, I can man. Count. Go to the All-22. Anyone can go to the All-22, pick a random play, and you'll see him beat. And that's 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 the problem, right, is that – it's like the reality of it is, is there's these metrics out there that are fooling people into thinking that the Bears offensive line has been better than it is. And yes, they've been pretty good run blocking. Although, again, if you go back to week one, you go back to week four, they haven't been that good run blocking. If you look at the majority of their rushing yards in those two games, it came from Justin Fields. And that's the thing. Justin Fields accounted for almost 70 percent of their offense on on Sunday. So, again, man, I mean, I, I, I we both said it. I think everybody knows it. This offense needs to move in to the, you know, the, the 2020s. They need to, you know, this offense needs to start throwing the ball. I, just to give you an example, right? Zach Wilson, this is his first, his first start of the year after, you know, having an injury, looked horrible for three, three quarters of the game. The Jets were down, didn't look like they had a chance. Then they finally let Zach Wilson start throwing the ball. They come back and they win the game. You know, if you start looking at what Mac Jones has done, obviously, before his injury, uh, what what Zach Wilson did in his first game, what Trevor Lawrence has been doing, they've been throwing the ball consistently 30-plus times a game. And yet you look at Justin Fields, and it's like he's throwing the ball anywhere from the teens into the low 20s, and that's just not going to work. And I understand some of this are design play calls. Justin Fields has to do a better job of you know, stepping up in the pocket and not letting, you know, basically not letting or keeping his eyes downfield and not letting himself just take off of the ball. I understand that. But at the same time, and this 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 whole thing, it goes back to the offseason where a lot of us were absolutely criticizing and killing Ryan Pohl, saying, what the heck are they doing on the offensive line? And I said this multiple times. I've been on record saying this multiple times. I was much more worried about what they were doing on the offensive line in the receiving group. The receiving group is an issue. I'm not discounting that at all. But when you look at the, the majority of their issues right now and some of the bad habits that Justin Fields is developing – it's because he was sacked six times. He could have been sacked a lot more if he didn't get out of the pocket and run. And that's kind of the issue is that their offensive line is so bad. And we knew this in the offseason. Their biggest swing and miss was Ryan Bates, who really hasn't been that good. And he was a restricted free agent. So it's like those are the kind of issues where a lot of us pointed this out in the offseason and we were ridiculed for it. We were told, well, you know, Ryan Poles and and, uh, uh, you know, Ian Cunningham are former offensive linemen. They know offensive line better than you do. Okay, that's probably the case. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the Bears' offensive line and realize that there's a lot of unproven talent, and it's probably not going to work. If you're starting to – just in general, it doesn't matter how, how many years of experience these guys have. If you are starting two fifth-round picks at your tackle spots – historically speaking, that's not going to work out well for you. What has happened so far? It hasn't worked out well for them. I think the other issue right now is, is that 
Cody Whitehair, who honestly hasn't really been that good the last two years moving into this year, has been their best offensive lineman. Now, he's gone for an indeterminate amount of time. I'd be shocked if he doesn't go on IR. It sounds like he's going to come back at, at some point this season. But Lucas Patrick hasn't looked good. Sam Mustafer has been terrible. For whatever reason, they still got a vendetta against uh, uh, Tevin Jenkins at this point. So now you're rolling with an offensive line where Sam Mustafer is still one of the worst centers in the league, if not the worst center. Lucas Patrick hasn't looked good. And you're going to put him at left guard. And now you got Tevin Jenkins at right guard. And you still have two massive questions at the tackle spots. I think the big concern for me outside of Luke Getzey and his play calling and the fact that they just lack aggression all the way around is that this offensive line, I don't see how it's going to improve. I think even with more game snaps, it's just the reality of it is, I think a guy like Braxton Jones may have some sort of ceiling. Obviously, I think Tevin Jenkins does as well. And maybe Lucas Patrick can get back to playing, you know, league average type of interior offensive lineman. There's not a lot of upside in that line right now. And this is all created by the offseason that they had and the fact that they went with two defensive players in the first, uh, you know, with their first two picks in the second round. They didn't spend any, their first big free agent swing was on a guy in Larry, Larry Ogajobi who really hasn't been very good for the Steelers at all. And they were going to give him $13.5 million a year. I understand that Ryan Poles has talked about wanting to build out this entire team, that it's going to take time, and I do agree with that. But the reality of it is, and this is something that the national media has been saying all offseason and it's been getting fought tooth and nail, is the fact that the Bears really have hung Justin Fields out the dry. And again, that's not excusing him from his own problems, but they really have hung him out the dry because you look at this receiving core, you look at this offensive line, it is – it's not even, I mean, really, it's it's unquestionably when you compare, you know, when you combine the two together, it's a league worst tandem. And it's like, how can you expect an offense to move the ball? And how can you expect a second year quarterback who was raw coming into this to improve? I just, I, it's, it's all of this is so predictable. But my biggest concern moving forward, especially with this offense, is I don't know how much progression um, and how much development can be had. Um, with the current amount of talent they have. All I'll say is this, I'll close with this uh, on this subject is saying that I think at some point very soon, Riley Reef needs a chance to start. You've at least got to see what you got in him because he's at least a league average type of offensive tackle. Uh, you've got to do something at this point. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
they are what they are. I mean, they're not a good football team. And, you know, anyone that thought Braxton Jones was going to come in and be a stud left tackle right away was just a big mistake. He needs time to develop. And I'm glad he's getting these games to try and develop. I think he's going to be a better tackle than what he is at the end of the season. But they're struggling, man. Larry Borum's struggling. Lucas Patrick has been a big, big, big disappointment. Um, and you're right. Cody Whitehair is their best player on the offensive line. Tevin Jenkins is probably right there with them. But for whatever reason, they want to go to this rotation at right guard. And now, you know, with Patrick, with um, Whitehair hurt, they're going to have to go to Jenkins and Patrick at, at both guard spots. But, yeah, I just want to see development, man. Like, I want to see them throw the football. I want to see him move the football. I want to see him execute. I want to see the coach be aggressive in situations that he needs to be aggressive in. Play calling got to be better. And for the love of God, the run defense has to be a lot better because that run defense is Swiss cheese. I'll give you guys the easiest bet of the week. Take whatever the opposing starting running back's um, total number of rushing yards is against the Bears and just hammer the over. I mean, put it all in the over because it, 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 it's probably going to hit. I mean – they cannot stop the run to to save their lives. And guess what? They have a good rushing attack coming into town. Or actually, they have a good rushing attack that they're facing in Minnesota next week at or this weekend, I'm sorry, um, here in week five. And Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison might have a field day again against this Bears defense um, coming up here. And I guess it's a perfect way to, to transition into our preview um, with the NFL season here now rolling. Aaron, we have to talk to our listeners about Odds Trader, one of the best betting sites out there. Takes all the betting site odds, betting site best um, values you can get, puts them in one place. It's the best place to compare all odds from all the major sports books. You can compare the different sign-up codes, promotions, all that to get the best deal possible for your betting needs. Um, the app is is really good with features including handicap, play-by-play updates, live scoring and bet tracking, player statistics, projected game day weather, um, key game statistics, and my favorite, the bet tracker, which allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. Once again, that is oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. And Aaron, we should get into our guest here to kind of help us Break down the Bears' next opponent. It's Matthew Collar. He does a great job covering the Minnesota Vikings at Purple Insider, which is also part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Um, PurpleInsider.com. He's a member of the PFWA Writers, and he's formerly of 1500 ESPN up there in Minnesota. We talked to him about the Bears and Vikings, got some insight um, as, as to what the difference will be in this upcoming matchup. And we'll be right back after the interview to give our thoughts about the Bears and Vikings as well as a prediction. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast is a special guest. It's Matthew Collar. He covers the Minnesota Vikings for Purple Insider. You can hear him on the Purple Insider podcast as part of Blue Wire. He's going to give us some insight on the Minnesota Vikings, which are the Bears' week five opponent. Matthew, thanks for taking the time to join us, man. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, there's never a normal game between the Vikings and the Bears, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, for sure. It's... um. It's always uh, something unique always happens between those two teams. And, you know, they're playing here in week five. Minnesota is coming off that kind of crazy win in London. Um, They were on the right side of a double doink. And um, they opted, what's interesting to me, they opted to not take the bye week after. So they're kind of coming off a weird travel week. How will that, if anything, impact them going into um, the game against Chicago and, and our emotions, you know, high with them for how they won that game? 
Yeah, I think that um, that's what we're going to find out is whether they made the right choice or not when it comes to exactly what you're saying is that they had the option to decide to get their bye week early coming off of London. And they said, no, we would prefer to um, set it up where they play Chicago. And hey, there's your disrespect narrative if you want it. Is, uh, they felt so confident playing Chicago, they didn't even want the bye week. Um, that's not exactly true, though. They just didn't want it that early. And so they did everything they could on the sports science side with the travel, with how they you know, reworked body clocks and whatever they were trying to do to try to keep the players on central time. So when they returned, they would be ready to play against the Chicago bears with all that said, um, there's no way that it's not going to impact them in some way. Right. I, I, maybe they could shake it off by the end of the week, but I think if you're a Vikings fan and you're a little concerned about this game, because the bears have upset the Vikings and some strange ones, no matter who's playing quarterback, for Chicago, they always have the capability to surprise the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I think that that's probably the thing that has you the most nervous. And the other thing too, is just that, um, you know, the biggest cliche ever is week to week league, but you know, they've gotten the last two weeks, some really great luck. Uh, teams have missed field goals at the end. Dan Campbell completely botched the clock for the Detroit lions to open the door for the Vikings to come back. Kirk cousins has two game winning drives, which is usually about a season's worth for Kirk cousins. Um, You know, a lot of things have really gone their way in these first few weeks outside of in Philadelphia. And so is this going to be the thing that kind of goes back toward the other way and quells some of the excitement or are they going to smack the bears? And then we're talking about a four and one Vikings team. That's very exciting. So this is kind of a big swing game for the Vikings. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, going back to the end of the last season, obviously into the offseason, the Bears and the Vikings were in decently similar spots in the fact that obviously, you know, both teams finished uh, with disappointing records. Both teams fired, you know, their head coach and their general manager. Uh, But then that was kind of where the similarities kind of ended because the Bears went in a very clear rebuild direction. I mean, I'm sure you've kind of paid attention this offseason and what the Bears have done, at least to to a certain extent, to see – the amount of guys that they've cut, the amount, you know, trading away Cole Mack and, and just the overall direction that they've gone in. Now, on the other side of things, uh, you know, the Vikings have gone in, in somewhat of a different direction. And I, I think a big reason for that is because I think they had a little bit more talent on their roster uh, going into the offseason. And obviously they have the quarterback situation figured out. And as of right now, I mean, they're three and one with the tiebreaker over the Packers and they're in first place. So what has your assessment been so far this season um, with the Vikings and, and just their plan to kind of push this thing forward and, and hope that the coaching really was the difference between a average team and, and a good team that can compete for not only a division, but compete in playoffs? Yeah, it's super interesting because Ryan Poles was offered the job in Minnesota and uh, based on what he did in Chicago, Um, I think that we would be talking about a very different looking team for the Vikings had Ryan Poles become the general manager, maybe, Uh, because I do think that ownership here had a really big role in shaping what they wanted to do, whether they wanted to rebuild or not. And there's been theories locally that Ryan Poles wanted to go to Chicago in part, maybe contract related, but also possibly that uh, he wanted the direction to be to tear the thing down. And and there was a really good case in Minnesota to tear it down. Uh, This same group of star players, and, and, you know, in some cases you have to use finger quotes now or former star players um, has not gotten the job done. And they've tried to 
tape together the defense with glue and free agents that are on the older side. That hasn't worked in recent years. So you're right to say that they are really banking hard on the idea that it was Mike Zimmer's fault. And some people can gloat at three and one, but I don't think they've played any different football through these first four games than they did the last two years. I think that last year they lost the game in overtime to Cincinnati on a bad break and then missed the field goal the next week. And those, those are kind of the, the razor's edge type of games that this team has been playing on because they don't have the talent to run away from teams. They have just enough talent to play the mediocre teams close every single week, which is possible of what we'll see this week against Chicago, right? Like two teams that are pretty flawed, um, you could see another one of those close games and banking on all the close games going your way is pretty, pretty risky. So they're hoping that they can take this offense to another level as they go along this season. It has not been impressive so far, but the bears, they tore it all down. So now Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, they get time to rebuild it in their vision, go into a free agency next year, spend money, make a decision on the quarterback who they're not tied into like, I think if this really doesn't work well for the Vikings, they're going to look at Chicago and say, well, we should have done that instead. I mean, if, if they end up going, you know, four and two or something at the break and then falling apart in the second half because they're older and they're lacking depth and all those things, they're really going to have to look themselves in the mirror and wonder why did we run this all back when the results had kind of shown that they couldn't be anything more than a 500 team. I think that, you long-term you'd rather be in Chicago than Minnesota save for one guy. And that is Justin Jefferson. And if you're making an argument for why the Vikings couldn't tear it down, it is Justin Jefferson and Justin Jefferson alone that you couldn't just waste the year of his rookie contract and also upset him going into an extension year, which he can sign, you know, next year. So there's a lot of dynamics at play, but I think those two timelines are very interesting to watch between Chicago and Minnesota. Looking at the Vikings so far through four games, I've, I've watched a little bit of them. I, I watched that beatdown of Green Bay, which was pretty pleasing on our end over here. Um, then I watched them against, you know, um, Philadelphia, and it, it felt like Darius Slay should have had 12 interceptions that game. They come back against the Lions. They kind of come back against the Saints. What has kind of been going on with that offense? Have they just kind of been inconsistent? Um, what are What's working? What's not working so far? Yeah, I think that they're just not very comfortable with it. I mean, you saw guys not on the same page with Kirk Cousins. There were a few situations, and, and Cousins totally copped to this after the game, where he just flat-out missed wide-open receivers for touchdowns and opted for short passes. And if you look at his average depth of target, it is shockingly low. I mean, it's the average depth of target that Alex Smith dreams about. I mean, it's just incredible how little they have pushed the ball down the field. In 2019, they were throwing the ball down the field more than 20 yards on 14% of Kirk Cousins' throws. This year so far, it's 7%. And Justin Jefferson is still on the team. Uh, it's uh, remarkable how little they have tried to push it down the field. And I think that it's because Cousins is being asked to do a lot more than he was previously where Mike Zimmer was probably right is in limiting the things that he was asking Kirk cousins to do. And, and this is part of Zimmer wanting to establish the run and so forth, which he got a lot of criticism for. But when you look at cousins numbers, 
tell me how you're supposed to get more out of Kirk Cousins than what they did when he's got 107, 103 quarterback rating, ranking toward the top of PFF, because they were kind of putting him in a box and saying, all right, you're going to hit on these big plays down the field on play actions when receivers are open and you're not going to hurt us and we're going to use Dalvin Cook. And that strategy was decent for the Vikings offense. And this is an experiment to kind of push it to the max and put the pedal down and say, can you stand in the shotgun and make a bunch of reads and make a bunch of throws? And the answer so far has been not really outside of out of the first week. And we've already seen Kevin O'Connell and to his credit, in my opinion, go back to I formations. CJ Ham, the fullback is out there bootlegs, throwing to tight ends underneath, trying to look for the occasional deep shot to Justin Jefferson. Um, and I and I think that that mix of kind of the old offense that did pretty much work for Kirk Cousins with all the things Kevin O'Connell knows works that he's brought over from Los Angeles, they haven't really found the right mix yet. And it, the reality is if Kirk Cousins does not have a running game to play off of with play action, he struggles and you and nobody knows this better than the Chicago Bears I mean there was a celebration when Akeem Hicks joined another team I mean because they would shut down Delvin Cook and that was kind of it for Cousins many times against Chicago that probably won't be the case now with the uh, run defense of Chicago but I I think that Kevin O'Connell is trying to figure out how much can he ask of his quarterback well, also, how can he keep his superstar wide receiver happy? And uh, just I was toying around with a bunch of stats, so I've got them on the top of my head here. When they do anything involving Justin Jefferson, they average 10 yards a play. When they do anything involving anybody else, they average four yards a play. And I think that that tells pretty much the entire story of the Vikings offense so far. Well, and you kind of you know touched on some of this, and I'm sure you've seen a little bit of the Bears this year, but... I, I don't know what the over-under for Dalvin Cook is in this game, um, but I would hammer the over. Uh, the Bears have been absolutely, his, like, historically bad um, defending the run so far, um, especially in that Giants game. And we talked about it before we had you on, and it's like the, the Giants basically did two things the entire game. They gave the ball to Saquon Barkley inside zone, whether it was left or right, didn't really much matter. He had good success. And the other thing was is they just, you know, bootleg Daniel uh, Daniel Jones out on some play-action fakes, and the Bears did nothing about it, and they got a lot of yards. So what do you expect? Like you pointed out just now, Justin Jefferson being involved with this offense has, has produced good numbers for them. Outside of that, it's been a little questionable. What do you think – is going to be the Vikings' plan of attack against this Bears defense, considering how bad they've been against the run. Yeah, I think that they're going to try to uh, run as much as they can and then play action off of it. I mean, it's sort of a tale as old as time, but like that's that's what they're going to have to do. I mean, uh, you know, what's been interesting, though, when it comes to the running game for the Vikings is there's just this question about whether Delvin Cook is the same version of Delvin Cook. Because so far, when you look at his yards per carry, you go like, okay, well, it's not that much different. I think it's 4.4 versus his career is 4.7. But to the eyeball, the explosiveness doesn't look the same. And we are talking about, and it might be confirmation bias because we all know what happens to running backs. Or it might be the fact that he just hasn't exploded for these big runs that he used to. Uh, he just used to scare the pants off of defenses. They would have to bring extra guys into the box. Uh, they would bite big time on play action. And I don't see that. And plus uh, you have the shoulder injury for Delvin cook. That is a problem as well, because this is the third time he's had this shoulder injury. And he's, I think playing with the sling 
and it's just like this is classic older running back stuff or or oft used running back stuff. And so the Vikings have not turned to Alexander Madison, their backup that often, but I think that they should. Um, because if Delvin Cook is not breaking runs like he used to, he could still be somewhat effective, but it kind of reminds me of Ezekiel Elliott of the of the past few years where Dallas has had to bring in Tony Pollard to get somebody with a little jump because Elliott has just been worn into the ground by the Dallas offense. I think we're looking at the same thing where there's just no longer that fear factor of Delvin cook completely destroying you. Now they, they probably should be in Chicago just based on their defense. But I think that that's different from past years where I'm sure in Chicago, there was a lot of conversation about stopping Delvin first and then everything else. But even if you look at the run pass ratio for the Vikings, they're throwing overall like 65% of the time. Now it's just, a different philosophy uh, that they're deploying. And, and I don't think that that concern about the run game is the same as it would have been even one or two years ago. And my final one um, for you tonight, and thanks for joining us again, look at the bears passing offense. It, it's just been historically bad. It's just, it's really bad. And they finally got something going against the giants. And for whatever reason, Luke gets, went to the run in the second half and it, it was just all bad. Is there any weakness on this Vikings defense? Is there any hope the Bears passing offense can kind of get going under Justin Fields? What's maybe a matchup that you're looking at for that? And uh, any areas the Bears can exploit? Oh, yeah. No, there's definitely areas the Bears can exploit. I mean, this defense, I mean, it's not even hyperbole to say that they've just taped it together. I mean, they signed Jordan Hicks in the offseason, older veteran linebacker Patrick Peterson's actually been terrific uh, to start the season but we're talking about an older corner who was brought in at a very cheap price um, Cam Bynum their starting safety next to Harrison Smith was a cornerback in college two years ago in a fourth round draft pick um, you know they're still not really sure about Cam Dantzler who had a good game last week Shannon Sullivan the nickel corner was another cheap signing I, I mean aside from Zadarius Smith who is banged up and that was the big concern and how the Vikings ended up getting him as cheap as they did. But outside of, you know, Zedarius Smith, Daniel Hunter, Eric Hendricks, and Harrison Smith, the stars that you know, it's pretty rickety. Uh, they have not stopped the run very well. Last week, the Saints called up Latavius Murray from their practice squad, and he hadn't even been playing at the beginning of the season, and he ran over them. Um, so they haven't done anything to really stop anyone's run game. And the other thing is, too, that they're playing kind of a bend don't break style, which is just dropping the two safeties deep back and kind of saying, okay, go ahead and throw a bunch of passes and run and have these long drives and opposing teams have been like, okay, <laughs> we will. And if you look at how successful they are, it's, it's been a lot. Like the only reason that the Vikings haven't given up more points is one opposing teams have missed four field goals against them, which is just weird um, to miss four out of seven field goals in, in the first couple games. But the, and the other thing is they haven't generally finished drives. The Saints did, and you saw what happened. They put up a bunch of points in that game, and it, and it could have been even more uh, if it wasn't a backup caliber quarterback, if Michael Thomas had been playing, if Alvin Kamara had been playing, and so forth. So there's opportunities here for this game to be a little higher scoring than maybe we expect, and especially uh, if Chicago gets the running game going. But the, the thing about Justin Fields that I don't see that Andy Dalton actually does better than him is hitting that back foot and then letting the ball go, you know, drop back three steps. And there it is to somebody. 
The Vikings defense will let you do that, but their whole goal is to not let anybody get deep. And uh, I think that's kind of all that Justin Fields really has at this point is he can sit there and make a great throw, but he's not a guy that seems very comfortable just cutting it loose, three-step drops, getting rid of the ball quick um, and things like that. So it'll be an interesting matchup from that perspective. I don't think that Fields is is necessarily well-built to play against this defense, but the one thing going for Chicago other than just the run defense for the Vikings is that they just haven't pressured anybody. Uh, last week, Dalton was pressured six times in 30 dropbacks. If they do that to fields, like he'll have time to throw and he'll probably make some plays. Well, <laughs> as, as optimistic as I want to be about that, uh, that, that current situation, I just, I don't know. I, I, you know, it, it's funny because the giants came in with three sacks in three weeks against, you know, against teams. And then they faced the bears and they had six sacks and Justin Fields got killed. So, you know, I, again, I, I think that we're definitely a little bit more on the uh, pessimistic side, especially having watched this team for the last four weeks and just the, the, oh man, it's been just a slow bludgeoning game, every single game. Now, my final question, and this is just kind of a, you know, I'm, I'm always curious to get people's perspectives, right? And, you know, you talked about Justin Jefferson. It, just kind of going back to that trade, I it's been a long time since I can really go back and objectively look at a trade and say, man, that was a win-win for both teams. You know, Stephon Diggs goes to Buffalo. He's doing great over there. Justin Jefferson comes in. Justin Jefferson is all of a sudden, you know, within his rookie year, one of the best receivers in the league. From a, from a Vikings perspective, how have you absorbed that trade? How, how do you view it? Do you think it's a win-win? Do you think the Vikings got the better end? Uh, what's your overall take? Yeah. Um, well, to, to quickly circle back on your point about uh, Justin Fields, I could definitely see Daniel Hunter getting like four sacks. So, uh, I mean, I'm just saying so far they haven't pressured anybody, but they definitely could. Uh, as far as the trade goes, if you just look at the two players, okay, Diggs is traded. They use the draft pick. They draft Jefferson. Here's what they've done since. It looks completely even on paper, but the Vikings lost this trade and they lost it horribly because they had to trade Stefan Diggs and they traded him to a team that's great. And they traded him to a team that made the right decision moving on from Tyrod Taylor and drafting Josh Allen and developing Josh Allen and building a team around a rookie contract with a really good defense that they've been able to pay for an offensive line and digs that they're able to pay for because they made the right choice. And Stefan Diggs was not only unhappy in Minnesota, but he was right. He looked at Kirk Cousins. He looked at Mike Zimmer, the way that they were going to play offense, the people that they were paying, the age of the roster. And I know Stefan Diggs from covering him for years. He is a very smart person. Uh, he is no fool. And he looked at that and said, nope, this isn't going to work here. I need to go somewhere else. And because he, the, the Vikings haven't made the playoffs since he left, the Vikings lost the trade. Justin Jefferson is wonderful. But what if they had not drafted Justin Jefferson, right? Like they they fell backward into Justin Jefferson, who, is, who has just been marvelous over the last two years. And as great as he's been, they still haven't made the playoffs because Diggs was right about everything. And so I think like you can look at it just player versus player and say, yeah, it's even. But one team is the best team in the NFL or number two. And the other team is struggling to convince anyone that they might be a contender. Oh, and by the way, they had to fire their coach. And they and and by the way, they've never really bought into Cousins long-term. It's always short-term deals. He's always very expensive. They've never been able to build up the roster. And he's never been enough of a playmaker 
to get them anywhere. Uh, and which is one of the things that frustrated Stefan Diggs. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a little more complicated in my mind than just the like player for player because of the background of why Diggs ended up gone. And then there's another point to be made that if they didn't manipulate Diggs or didn't frustrate him the way they did, they could have both of them. And imagine that that would be like Randy Moss and Chris Carter, uh, because they still, there was no, there's no rule against drafting Justin Jefferson that same year. Um, and, uh, you know, they ended up now with an aging feeling KJ Osborne's a nice player, but imagine if they had had both of those guys, if Diggs hadn't been so upset. So yeah, that's, it's a really interesting one. It's one that we kind of go back to all the time. And when Zimmer was fired, everyone around here kind of went like, yep. Stefan Diggs knew what he was talking about when he forced his way out of Minnesota. Matt, awesome stuff. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, before you leave, give us a quick prediction, score prediction, and then tell everyone where they can um, follow you, where can they can read your work, where they can listen to you at. I'm going to go 24 to 14 Vikings. I know that means the Bears actually score touchdowns, but <laughs> yep. you know maybe maybe we'll get there with field goals and safeties. I don't know. Um, but that's I, I think that's kind of where the Bears are at on offense, that it's going to be hard to score a ton of points, uh, even with the Vikings struggling defense. And uh, as far as my work goes, Purple Insider podcast, um, do it every day, and uh, purpleinsider.com for written stuff. Awesome. Thanks again, man. We really appreciate you. We'll have to have you on another time too. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Yep. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome back here to the Bear Report Podcast. That was Matthew Collar of Purple Insider, a podcast on Blue Wire Pods, as well as the website, purpleinsider.com. He does a good job covering the Vikings. And Aaron, I guess the way to wrap things up for us is we have to give our score predictions and our X Factor uh, for this big week five showdown, the second NFC North game of the year for the Chicago Bears. You went first last week, so I'll go first this week. Um, I think the Vikings are going to win this game. I think the Vikings offense is going to run right through the Bears. Um, if Jalen Johnson can't play, it's going to be a long day for that secondary, especially with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. So I'm in my score, I'm going to go Vikings um, 31, Bears 17. I think the Bears are going to struggle to score points. Nothing that they've showed me gives me any faith that they can really move the football um, through the air consistently and score points consistently. I hope that changes. I want to be wrong. I want to eat crow. Um, the difference maker for me is going to be that run game. I, I think Minnesota is going to gash them on the ground. I mean, we've seen the Packers and Giants go for over 200 yards on them. We saw the 49ers go for, I think, over 150 on them in week one. 
they're struggling to defend the run, and it's going to get historically bad if this trend continues. So, yeah, I'm going to go Vikings 31, Bears 17. And, and if the Bears do want to win this game, first and foremost, they're going to have to stop the run. They're going to have to get pressure on Kirk Cousins and force him into tough decisions. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I think this is going to be a tough game for the Bears. I think when you look at it from a matchup perspective, I think the biggest concern for me where my X factor is going to be is going to be the Bears defense versus the Vikings offense. Because like you pointed out, the Bears haven't been able to stop the run. The Vikings have a good rushing attack. And, I mean, really, the Vikings also have a, a good offense in general. I mean, Justin Jefferson is one of the best uh, receivers out there. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins is definitely underrated. That They have quite a few uh, offensive weapons that can really, you know, gash this Bears defense. And, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time seeing, especially because the problem is, is like, you know, the Bears have just like over the last few games, they have not got to the quarterback. They've, they just, and I, I don't understand what the heck is going on. Obviously they just don't have a lot of horses up front, but I mean, you know, Dominique Robinson had that, you know, had a, had a big showing. Uh, Travis Gibson had a big showing at one point. Robert Quinn had a sack. Uh Muhammad has been about as is I, I just I mean he's been about as invisible as you can possibly imagine at this point. So I think that that's going to be the big X factor. If the Bears can find a way to keep the Vikings, you know, in check, which again I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't I don't see it happening. Then you know that's a big key. Uh, I and that's I, I think that's just really where it's at. Um, so yeah, for me, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go 31 20 uh, Vikings. Uh, I know the Vikings opened up as seven point favorites. I don't know, man. I, it's just hard to pick the bears right now. Um, you know, it's like, we've been confident the last few weeks and we pick them and, you know, obviously they went one of those games against uh, you know, a, a, a Texans team that hasn't won a game yet. And then they had a very winnable game against the giants who may be three and one, but as we saw are not a very good team at all. Um, I still think that the bears are right on par with them and they just couldn't get it done. And this is another game on the road. Uh, I think the only advantage that the bears really have in this situation is that Minnesota did play, um, you know, in London. And instead of taking an early bye week, they decided to play this week. Um, so, you know, I guess that's the only advantage, but yeah, I just, it's hard to feel overly confident about this team right now, um, especially with the way that they're playing. And really, Minnesota has been pretty decently uneven too, um, but they are three and one. And I mean, if you look at the roster, they're they're in a lot better shape than the Bears are. Yeah, I agree, and I, I would trust Minnesota to have the better game than, than Chicago. I still think Minnesota's run game and their passing attack is better than what the Bears have right now. And um, hey, it might come down to the, whichever defense can can stop the other team, and, and I think that'd probably be Minnesota's at this point. But yeah, the Bears zero and two on the road so far, two one zero at home. They're two and two, and it's a pivotal stretch. Three of the next four here on the road. So um, yeah, uh, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Yeah, you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Zaksiaki underscore Pearson. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Helps th- helps this podcast helps picks for um, polls podcasts, and we're gonna be doing more after the game type quick podcasts with instant reactions. Um, you say that Andrew did one on Sunday went really well, so be on the lookout for those. Till next time, everyone. Please stay safe. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.